Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we check in with Morley Scott, voice of the Elks on 630 Chet in Edmonton to preview Friday's showdown with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And then we'll also hear from Bill Johnson, the executive director of Football Manitoba, on a new online reporting system to make the sport a safer place for kids. It's all coming up on the podcast. Coming up on Friday, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers will try to extend their perfect record to 7-0 against the Edmonton Elks, who just won by the skin of their teeth in Montreal last week to improve to 2-4. and four. They're the worst team in the West. And so you'd think the Bombers would win this game, but you never know as we head over to Edmonton now and link up with our friend Morley Scott, voice of the Elks for 630. Jed, Morley, how are you doing tonight? Hi, I'm good, Chris, and I take offense to the worst team in the West, though. We prefer to call it fifth place. So, ah, okay. You know. My apologies. <laughs> let's uh, let's stay, keep looking on the bright side. <laughs> so let's just start with the elephant in the room. The Elks haven't won a home game in over 1,000 days. What gives? Uh, yeah, I, they're just, they weren't a very good team last year for starters. I think that gives, uh, that's part of it. Uh, this year, uh, they've, you know, just haven't played well enough to win. They've, they've been good in some games at home. Uh, they've only played a couple, so it's, uh, they've got two wins on the road, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a weird situation. It's, uh, was September or I don't know it was October of 2019. I believe they got their last win at uh, the Brickfield at Commonwealth stadium. So it has definitely been a long time, uh, over a thousand days, but you know, let's be honest. There was a, there was a year where they didn't play. There. Yeah. There was a missing season in there, so yeah, it is a little it is a little misleading, but it is. I think it's a ten or eleven games now for the losing streak at home, which is a club record. So it's something they're very aware of, and it's something they talk about a lot, and it's something they want to turn around. And obviously, that's not going to be easy to turn around on Friday night. Yeah, ten game home losing skid is the second longest in CFL history. Ottawa lost fourteen in a row, uh, eighty seven and eighty eight, and so they're trying not to. To get there is a long way to go to catch Ottawa, but uh, what? Let's just talk about this season then, Morley. Already three different quarterbacks to start games. Taylor Cornelius most recently. Did Edmonton deserve to win last week in Montreal? Uh, I they won, so I would say yes. Uh, they 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 had a great third and fourth quarter. I mean, they scored three straight touchdowns. Uh, they did everything right. They got good plays from their defense to turn the ball over. Uh, they uh, they got the points when they needed them. Uh, I think they should be full credit for the comeback. Uh, they've had both their wins so far this year have been comeback wins. They got that late touchdown on the scoop and score in Hamilton to win it uh, with less than two minutes to go. And then against uh, uh, Montreal last week, they got the winning touchdown with about four and change to go. So they played a little bit longer with the lead in that game. It's funny, the game they've had the lead in the most, I believe, was uh, the game in Calgary, which they ended up losing. It's it's the games where they've been able to come from behind to get wins and, and trailed for a lot of the games, but they were able to come from behind and get a couple of wins. So they're 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 a very strange team this year as Chris Jones tries to put his roster together. And and just talking to some guys today about that, the fact that they've had so many players in the lineup, I think that can be expected when with Chris Jones doing a makeover because he's trying to find the right guys. But throw in the injury situation, which has been absolutely horrible, and that is forcing more turnovers. That's part of the reason why they've had three quarterbacks. That's part of the reason why Niles Morgan will be their sixth starting middle linebacker in seven games coming up uh, on Friday night as well. So yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been pretty nasty for them on the injury front as well. So who are we 
down, I guess, who are the key members that are on the injury report right now for the team? Well, uh, the latest to go on will be uh, Darrell Walker, uh, who uh, is not going to play. He was not practice a game today. Uh, Kai Loxley, well, missed practice a game today. He's been a, he's been a pretty good fine playing receiver, but he's a natural quarterback and is the is the backup quarterback slash receiver. Uh, they're both going to be uh, uh, out injured as well as uh, Trey Watson, who uh, was a, uh, picked up for, after Montreal released him uh, uh, during their bye week. His first game back was in Montreal. He ends up suffering a knee injury that's going to keep him out for. Uh, an extended period of time. Also out for an extended period of time is Nick Coe, who uh, is a defensive lineman who was playing his first CFL game as a starter. And he got in because of some of the other injuries on, on the, uh, on the D line as well. But some, some of the guys who are still on the, on the six game injured list uh, include uh, Nafis Lyon, one of their starting cornerbacks, uh, Aaron Grimes, one of their starting DBs, Tanner Green, uh, their fullback, Jake Ceresna, a defensive lineman, uh, uh, Wesley Apollon, who made the team as a rookie out of training camp and, and was and started at linebacker in the opening game of the year. Uh, James Wilder Jr. still on uh, the six game injured list. It's a it's a long long list on the six. They've got 13 players on the six, and in my mind, 10 of those players were either projected starters uh, who haven't played yet or guys who have started in games already this year. So they're really beat up uh, at a lot of positions, but especially in the linebacking core and a little bit at defensive back. So how do you think they'll be able to handle the Blue Bombers? How has anybody handled them? Nobody's handled the Blue Bombers in about three years, right? So it's going to be tough for sure. They know they've got a, they've got a good, healthy respect for what the, what the Blue Bombers have accomplished, uh, but they also uh, believe they're starting to turn the corner. The Elks have won two of their last three games, and nothing's been pretty for them this year. Nothing, they haven't played that good, solid game from start to finish this season. Uh, they believe it's coming, and they believe they're getting better, and they know there's not a lot of room for error when you're playing the Blue Bombers because the Bombers are, are so good in so many uh, so many areas uh, uh, of the field. So, yeah, they know they got their hands full, and uh, it's, it's going to be a tough one for them for sure. I remember last year when the Bombers played the Elks game one of the season, Edmonton got off to a terrible start, came back, actually took the lead in the third quarter before uh, Taylor Cornelius was picked sixth by uh, DeAndre Alford and then strip sack touchdown later on in the quarter. And all of a sudden the game was basically over. Uh, how much do you think Taylor Cornelius has grown since then as a quarterback or, or has he really? I, th I think he has. He showed a lot more poise in the game in Montreal when he got his first start of the season and the first chance to even dress for a game this year, showed a lot more poise. Uh, his, his issue uh, his arm is so strong, and he's had some issues overthrowing guys, and obviously the interceptions were big last year. I mean, he threw nine touchdowns and 13 interceptions in the in the eight games he played, and he had three games where he had three interceptions uh, in those games. So, uh, yeah, I, I, one thing, I kind of I dug deep into the stats from last year. Uh, five interceptions came in the first two games he started, and then six interceptions came in the last two games, which were in that stretch where they they were playing three games in nine days, and really a situation that nobody should be in as a football player, especially I think a rookie quarterback. Uh, so you kind of can can see where things went wrong for him last year. But he is different this year. He really I thought uh, showed great escapability against the Alouettes. He was able to get out of the pocket when he was in trouble and get away. And when he got away. He didn't make those mistakes with the football. He either found a guy downfield, kept it himself, or threw it out of bounds. He didn't make those dangerous throws that he made a lot last year. So I think he is better. I think he's a little bit more poised. And, and I think 
you know, obviously getting eight starts last year as a rookie helped him. I think uh, as much as he probably doesn't want to admit it, not dressing and watching and learning and practicing hard for the first five games of the season this year helped him as well. Who's been the most impressive quarterback for you for the Elks so far? Sorry, who's been? Of the quarterbacks that have played for the Elks, and the list is growing every week, who's been the most impressive to you? Uh I would say uh, Trey Ford was pretty impressive, and I think it was a real disappointment after he got his first start and then his first win in that game in Hamilton. He comes out in, in the next game against Calgary and gets gets hurt early in that game, and that kind of threw the whole game plan uh, out the window because it was, it was built around his ability to run with the football. And then they bring in Nick Arbuckle, who doesn't have that ability to run like Trey Ford. But he, uh, he was very impressive in the game. The numbers weren't off the charts, but he made good decisions and he made good plays. He, he ran with the football to get first downs, not always just because he was in trouble. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him develop and what he can do next. Uh, Cornelius was pretty impressive in, in Montreal. I really am, am happy for him and the way he played in Montreal. Uh, if you go way back, and you guys in Winnipeg saw a taste of that in the preseason, Kai Loxley has probably been the most productive of the quarterbacks. Uh, very inexperienced and played a lot against, you know, the third teamers um, on the other team's defense in the two preseason games. But he played probably the most and put up the most yards and got the most done moving the football. But obviously he was in a different situation. But he's injured now, but he's, he has kind of settled in as a, as a pretty key receiver for the Elks and then working the short yardage package and, and working some, some packages as quarterback as well. So uh, no one's really stood out, that's for sure. It hasn't been, it hasn't been uh, like in years past. The last time Edmonton was in this position was probably back in 2013 when they acquired Mike Riley. And they had a horrible year that year, winning four games. But during that stretch, everyone knew Mike Riley was going to become uh, a really good quarterback, which he did as he went on in his time at Edmonton, winning a great cup, winning an MOP. Uh, but this year, that's the biggest difference this time around with Chris Jones is they don't have that quarterback right now that they can say, this is the guy we're going to build around. They're still looking to find him. So Kenny Lawler departing Winnipeg for a big paycheck in Edmonton was one of the top off-season headlines. Winnipeg replacing him with Greg Ellingson, kind of a swap really between the, the two clubs. How have things gone for Lawler in Edmonton so far? Uh, you know what? They've gone pretty well. He was a key part of the game uh, in Montreal. I mean, he had 92 yards in receiving on seven receptions. But I've never seen this before, Christian. He had three pass interference calls against him, and that totaled 108 yards and helped set up uh, the game-winning touchdown with a pass interference call on the 11-yard line. So uh, he had a total of 200 yards, but it just wasn't all in receiving, 108 in penalties and uh, 92 in receiving. Uh, he's had a couple of big games. He's had a couple of, of slower games. I think he's a, he's a, I'm watching him in practice every day. He's a much better player than I thought he was. He's a much better receiver than, than I saw with him. I mean, uh, the Elks only saw him once last year because he didn't play in one of the games uh, in Winnipeg. So uh, we didn't get a, a long look at him in games. But he has great hands, runs really good routes, and is a guy who gets to the football. And if the, as, as he likes to say, if it's a 50-50 ball, I'm either catching it or it's DPI. So uh, he's a very confident guy. And so far, uh, he, has, uh, he has delivered. I feel bad for him because he's had to, had to catch balls from the quarterback carousel with three different quarterbacks starting. And I guess four have been playing in games. So it's, it's been a rough go that way. But he's made the most of it and come up with some huge plays in games.
So I'll get you out of here on this. What kind of chance do you give the Elks on Friday? They got a puncher's chance, I guess, if they can, if they can, uh, you know, get out and, and get some defensive turnovers. I think that's the one thing that we've really seen with the Elks in the last three games is the defense is forcing the issue more so than they did earlier in the season. Uh, they're 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 forcing turnovers. They're scoring points. They're playing much better. Uh, their numbers are horrible because the first two or three games, and especially the the two games against BC and Calgary that were blowouts, really skew the numbers. But their defense is getting better, and I think that's what they're going to have to hang their hat on. Well, the offense heals up a little bit. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna possibly play without two of their top you know, three receivers going into the game on, on Friday night with Darrell Walker and Kai Loxley. Uh, Manny Arsenal has been a, a, a real find for them. Uh, he's far from finished. That's for sure. He's had a great season uh, for the auction at times. And I think still is possible. Uh, probably maybe Lawler would have moved past him maybe, but he's been at the top of the Elks chart as far as receiving yards goes for most of the season. So uh, they got a chance, but like anybody who plays Winnipeg, everything's got to fall into place. And maybe you got to catch the bombers napping, which I don't think they do very often in games right no it's been impressive so far even games are not playing super well they're finding ways to win right they they yeah gotten away with one some would argue friday against calgary but champs find ways to win right that's exactly it. Good teams find ways to win and good teams are able to get the lead and, and break and move away from teams and make it look like they won by more points when it was, was closer. But, you know, I, uh, who, I was talking with Thomas Costigan today, a defensive lineman of the Ox, and we were talking about just what Winnipeg's accomplished in the last, you know, three seasons plus, you know, the lockout year. It's hard enough to win. It's, it's harder to win back-to-back. It's probably harder to win back-to-back when you throw a COVID year in the middle of that without anybody playing. And then to come out in the third year after that and start the season six and oh and just be in control uh, from the start of the season it's it's really really impressive what the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have done over the last three years absolutely and we'll see it on display Friday you've got the call on 6 30 Ched in Edmonton Derek Taylor's got the call here in Winnipeg Morley appreciate your time as always thanks for this and enjoy the game Friday you bet Christian anytime good to talk to you football Manitoba today announced that it's partnership partnered with Rees, Respect, Educate, Empower Survivors, to make online reporting for harassment and abuse available to the football community across Manitoba. The executive director of Football Manitoba is Bill Johnson, and I talked to him about this earlier today. Our goal, one of our goals, one of our primary goals with Football Manitoba is to to keep our players safe. And this is just another venue that we thought that uh, maybe was a little bit uh, under-addressed in our community. And uh, when we started talking to Reese, we realized, hey, this is an opportunity. We can do something that uh, we can maybe prevent anyone from, from harming football players and hopefully, hopefully kids in general. Was this uh, sped up after the Kelsey McKay allegations, or was this already in the works before that? Uh, we'd been having some conversations ahead of time uh, about this. The Kelsey McKay situation obviously uh, kind of uh, spurred us to move a little bit more quickly with things just because we realized that uh, – Timing is, is critical with this, and uh, and it's obviously a more pressing need than we had realized. And that, um, Mary, Mary Lobson, who's actually the, the executive director with uh, with Reese, was is a former board member of Football Manitoba. Her children, her, both of her boys had played football, and uh, and Mary and I have known each other for a while. So we'd have, I mean, we've been having conversations about this for a couple of years, and just looking for the the right timing and the right, uh, I guess, the right uh, mode to to make it work. So for those who do not know, what does Reese do? So basically, they, uh, they're a support uh, network for, for people who, uh, 
of being victims of harassment, assault, abuse, different things like that. But also in the part that uh, that we're using, uh, we're the first sport to use actually, my, is my understanding, is it's a reporting system so that uh, you can create uh, an online um, profile of a person who maybe is uh, behaving in a questionable manner. And then it uh, it actually flags them. If there's more than one flag, then it becomes uh, heightened and escalated. Uh, people reporting have the option to report to an organization such as Football Manitoba or directly to the police. There's a lot of systems in there that, uh, a lot of options within the system, I guess, that allow kids to, uh, potential victims to uh, to make people aware. So hopefully it doesn't take uh, months and months and years for, for these things to come to light, but we can actually start to red flag things early in the process. Well, that's one of the, the big parts of of abusive structures is that often it takes a long time for it to come out. You look at the mm-hmm. McKay allegations, these are from years and years ago, it, and in a lot of uh, reporting on other stories of coaches that have been charged, have been arrested, it's been you know years, but sometimes it's the one of the big things that has been found is that there just haven't been great avenues to that's right to raise red flags, and this uh, this seems to be a good system to do that. Yeah, it's it's a little bit different. Sport Manitoba has, of course, their their hotline in place for for people to call as well, and uh, and we promote that and we encourage people to use it. But we find that uh, that our members, especially our younger members. They, they, they just don't make phone calls. It's just not something that's in their, their repertoire right now. And they're more comfortable using a, an online, either app-based or web-based uh, platform to do that. So that's what we're, we're trying to make it as easy as possible, understanding that coming forward is one of the most difficult things that uh, a survivor can do. We want to make it as easy as possible for them to remove any, any barriers that are potentially in place. Has the screening process for coaches changed over the years too? Is that part of this or is that separate? Uh, so that's a separate thing, but we do. So we have a pretty comprehensive screening process with with Football Manitoba. All of our coaches go through uh, full criminal background screenings, and uh, and then uh, to determine whether or not they're uh, they're allowed to to coach or not. And that's for flag and tackle football. Anyone who's basically involved in in coaching in football has been screened in some regard. Okay. Well, Bill, this this sounds like a, a great initiative being done by Football Manitoba. Hopefully, it. It helps protect kids, as it's set out to do. Thanks for this. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your disrespect.